This episode was recorded live on April 30th, 2021, during the Fight, Laugh, Feast rally in Rapid City, South Dakota. It features Joseph and myself, along with fellow network show host Keith Darrell from Campus Preacher and longtime fan and friend of our show, Tyler Marines. We met a lot of fans while we were there and a few tagged along for this recording, one of which we pull in for a pretty funny story. So without further ado, enjoy. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Unfortunately, can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who were before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is Revelation chapter one, verses four to six. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. And you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony DePani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Um, I've got bad news. Okay, do tell. My wife decided she's not making me any more sandwiches because she says I'm obsessed with making quizzes. And so the question for you, is that A, unfair, B, overreacting, or C, out of her mind? I don't know. Uh... (laughs) Okay, so what are you eating, man? (laughs) Can I have some of it, too, since Um, she's not making me anymore? Well, she's not making me, yeah. I'm eating hamburger. Um, It it was a hamburger with uh, bacon and cheese and uh, barbecue sauce. In the shape of a muffin. No. No, dude, I did not bring a muffin all the way out. I told you, if it's a cheeseburger muffin, I will tell you. It's a special thing. Don't mock it. It's sacred. Maybe not. No, I mean, I mean, I'm a hamburger. And yeah, my wife, did, if, for your, to answer your next logical question, yes, my wife did actually go out and kill the cow and butcher it and, and make the meat. And then she, she got the cheese and she, she churned the cheese and she, she went out and got the pig and she made the bacon. And she did it all the way from Ohio. She went all the way here to South Dakota. She drove it here? She drove it here. Yeah, she did. Or she rode a horse. I'd be more impressed if she rode a horse. Okay, let's go with she. I mean, since we're making make-believe right now anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, she drove a horse all the way out here. Uh, it, it took her, I don't know how long it would take to get a horse out here. It took her like a month. I don't know. We're going to go with that. <laughs> all right. So where, where are we at? You've kind of mentioned it several times. Well, so. we, we are, uh, if you can listen to the background here, we are currently taking over for the Theology Podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're at the Fight, Laugh, Feast rally in South Dakota. Uh, we are actually joined here by a, a couple uh, people that we picked up on the side of the road. Uh, they look like they were homeless. They still do. In the park last um, night. In, yes. In, on, on the way to Haymarket. Correct. <laughs> so, uh, I jumped them. Yeah, there, there, there you go. So, so we have... Uh, 
Actually, gentlemen, I'll let you introduce yourself. Go ahead. Because he doesn't know who I am. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We picked him up, right? This, yeah. This. Um, I am Keith Darrell. I am also on the Fight Life Feast Network. I usually have Campus Preacher Podcasts. Um, got in the town here hanging out for a couple days. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm Tyler Marines. I uh, live in Moscow, go to Christ Church. I uh, am infam- infamously known as the guy that Gabe put his arm around to get arrested. There you go. Yeah, I do yeah. remember that. And yep. infamous actually more than famous. And so did you, you got arrested too, right? I actually just got cited. Yep. If I remember right, wasn't your citation says standing next to Gabe Wrench? It does, yeah. Yes, there you yes, go. That's awesome. Really, does it? So you got cited for basically getting That's a hug. Awesome. Yeah, getting a hug. Yeah, his arm was Criminalized running. for getting a hug. You know, you think in our culture today, they would be okay with that. You think so? Two yeah. men hugging, yeah. two men hugging in public. In public. Yeah, you know, think yeah. that was great? I mean, so, yeah, you should. It's all love. Hey, wait, wait. No, oh, <laughs> the question. No, the question I have for you is: While you were hugging Gabe and getting arrested, uh, what was Keith doing? Keith, I was I was helping Gabe's mom sing. Is what I was doing. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you, if you yeah. watch the uh-huh. video, if you, if you take a still, you don't get a clear picture oh, of what sure. I was actually doing. I think it's a pretty See, clear most, picture. Most, it is clear. I'm going with a pretty clear picture. Most people are hanging out on the still, where it's like a movie. I was making a beautiful scene, and everybody's caught up on the still. So, so he's, yeah, yeah, he's complaining the about the still, but when you watch the video, he's still sitting on the dock. <laughs> yes, he is. That's what I meant. I, I was like, it's, it's still <laughs> a pretty, yeah, pretty clear picture. But you're still missing Gabe's mom joining me to sing. And I was comforting her, because she's like, my baby's in jail. My baby's in jail. Gabe's mom is behind it all. <laughs> and so, yeah, yes. so I'm trying to comfort the woman and I get mocked for it. So, so the reason I didn't get arrested is because Gabe's mom, after Gabe got arrested, leaned over and she's like, you should probably give him your ID, honey. Uh, like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> nice. The nice. voice of the woman. The yeah. voice of the woman. Good stuff. Well, we are here at the Fight Left East Rally in South Dakota and we're having a good time. We are on day two, I guess. So, well, kind of day one. Yeah. I, I mean, we had the thing last night, but it's kind of the big day one. We've had a good time so far. We've met a lot of fans, a lot of other people or things going on. Um, I know, Joseph, you wanted to talk about hope for this episode, and kind of I think it's appropriate since uh, seeing so many people here worshiping God and just being good, decent human beings and Christians, I think it does give us a lot of hope because right now in our culture, we're seeing a lot of insanity. Um, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about hope, how about we uh, let's talk about what we've been doing? And, and, and see what, they, right. what they're thinking about the, the conference here. Okay, go ahead. So, Tyler, tell us what, how you're enjoying the conference. Yeah, I think, side note, first thing I wanted to mention, we were talking about sandwiches earlier, right? Uh, what we're eating. Um, oh, okay. I just wanted to brag up my wife a little bit because we, uh, we were coming here on the cheap. I brought three younger guys with me. And uh, she pre-made sandwiches for all of us. Nice. Yeah, so we had two days worth of sandwiches on the way here. What kind we, of sandwiches? Uh, three different kinds. Yeah, so we could pick uh, ham, a roasted turkey, and then a mm. uh, smoked turkey. Mm. Good yeah, stuff. for Good four stuff. men on the way here. So just brag her up. Wait, like that. these two? But yeah, men. I, men, sorry. Yeah, it was a bit, bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offending some people out here right now. <laughs> yeah. Doing my job. Um, yeah, the conference has been great. Like, just to see all these people coming together, uh, Worshiping God, I'm just loving the psalm singing. I mean, we get a lot of that at home, but hearing this many people in one room just yeah. praise God with songs that uh, go back millennia is awesome. So and hearing manly singing, yep. yes, that's that's good. There's there's too many. Actually, one of the, the church that I'm at now, one of the first things I noticed when we first visited was um, when they sang "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." Uh, this is going to sound super uh, misogynistic when I hear, but I couldn't hear any of the women, and it was great because the men were so loud, uh, yeah. and that was awesome. Yep, yep. I, I thought that was great. Yep. That's a very good thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, where I've grown up, men, the idea of singing is, you know, it's they don't do it. 
Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's usually something for women. some sprite singing show tunes. You know what I mean? Like used yeah. when I was growing up, the only guys who sang was kind of the queer kid, and he's singing show tunes. So well, yeah, it's kind of nice to be in context. Well, and I do think yeah. one of the things that I've noticed, and I think you're kind of touching on this, you know, that old songs too, you know, things that have stood the test of time. I think a lot of guys, men right now, don't want to sing because he got a bunch of really high pitched things that are meant for girls to sing, essentially too. I mean, there's a, a I think a semblance of they're embarrassed. They weren't. They weren't. You know, brought up to do that. But at the same time, you know, you give you get, like a mighty fortress is our God, or, or the, the Psalms we're singing, just Psalms. You give that to men to sing, and it's just highly more likely that they're gonna sing and it, it, sing it, loud. You just think of the context of the way the music was done. It wasn't like it wasn't like some rock band with a guy. You know what I mean? You didn't have the smoke show. It, it's not like, like an smoke. ACDC yeah. concert where you can just act like an idiot, like because yep. that's not appropriate for worship. And so mm-hmm. even just the way that they were structuring worship makes it conducive to men singing, and make makes it conducive to you want to enjoy. It. And I have a horrendous voice, but it, like I want to join in and sing. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Amen. But, I, but I want to join. I want to join in in that singing though. Just just in the way that it's structured and done and it's not kind of like overly produced for lack of a better word right and I, I think with a lot of the modern day songs you have these the same words on repeat right you say them like a thousand <laughs> times in the same song yep. and um, I think uh, there's a principle with praying right that we don't want to have babbling tongues we don't want to say words over and over and over again and I think that principle can be applied to worship too or it's like a lot of these newer songs are just babbling like just Emotional battle. Yeah, and it's not I think powerful. I'm sorry, Richard, but one of the one of the best things coming out of uh, last October was the number of people I've seen singing psalms in families and on Saturdays yes. coming out of it. And even this morning, I was yeah. at a coffee shop and I, I saw a guy sitting there. He's reading an R.C. Sproul book, and I was like, Ah, oh, are you a Christian? Obviously. Uh, and he was like, Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, what did I mean? He was a Missouri or a Wisconsin synod Lutheran. But we started talking about singing psalms, and he's like, Oh, our church is starting to do that more, and blah blah blah. Mm. And so, and and even with what I do, open air preaching and campus preaching. If students were singing psalms, my ministry would be so much easier because I would not be arguing with Christians over very basic sort mm-hmm. of things that the scripture set forth the Messiah is going to do. And so if we're singing these things, music, I do think, shapes us in a way that even oftentimes sermons don't straight up because like those are the sorts yeah. of things you're singing as you're walking down the street. You're not repeating Doug Wilson's sermons, but you are repeating a mighty fortress, a mighty, for- a mighty fortress is our God. Mm-hmm. And when you're singing that and that's shaping you, you're just going to be a different person. Uh, and, and so the music that we do is vital to our, obviously to our worship, but also just to our living in the world. And building up a body of songs that you know is very important. Um, I work with my children to remember old hymns and old old so- and psalms. And when we do ministry at like the uh, nursing homes, you go in there, they may not know anybody's name, can't remember their family's name. They can remember the songs that they sing. And so if you go in there and you sing, you know, I don't know, some song that you mentioned, like a newer, like K-Love song, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. But you go back in old hymns yeah. that everybody knows, oh, yeah. then they're singing and, and there's just joy. And, and, I, and I hope when I'm 90 years old and losing things a little bit, I can remember, and can it be, rather than... I remember in college there being a song, and Jesus came through the clouds and said, hello. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so, that's not a song. Yeah, that's not a song. I, I, didn't, I don't think I hit the note right, but then hello. Yeah, song. Yeah, he came through the clouds and said, hey guys. hello. Yeah. And, and so hopefully I'll remember that's something like He's going to be singing that one because yeah, he remembers it now. I, I, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> as Doug, as Doug mentioned, up. it's seared in there. And yeah. so hopefully when I'm 90, that's not what I recall. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Wow. I don't, I, I don't even know how to address that song. I thought, I mean, I thought the, what was it, Jesus is my boyfriend or whatever that, that thing was, or oh, that was yeah. bad enough. But Well, it, it's so important that I think churches have men leading in the worship as well. So we, even churches that will talk about, you know, men being pastors only, will then, then have the woman be the worship leader. Yep. And um, they sing in a higher range. The, the songs they're going to tend to pick out are going to be more emotionally and relationally driven. And um, men are not going to join in with that. But what we find out is when, when men lead worship, and they lead it in a manly way with hymns and psalms and battle songs, and um, the women all join in with that anyways, mm-hmm. right? And children. And, and as, as you said, you're, you're at the, your church and they're singing a mighty fortress and it's so loud everybody's just joining in that's the most it's one of the, some of the most beautiful thing to do and be part of so uh, men need to take the lead in that and lead in your home with that teach your children to sing yeah speaking of the intro to after the sandwich the song on there yeah you need to release that somehow because my boys love that oh really uh, we, yeah we, yeah we, yeah we could send it to you that's yeah. uh that was made for t- us actually tim, yeah for tim bouchon made that for yep. us especially for us yeah and uh good guy you should look him up he has an, uh, an album of uh, hymns that he's kind of put yep. in that style oh sweet that's really good you can get it on Spotify okay that is my daughter at the end though <laughs> which triggers no doubt doubt a lot of feminists at this point but yeah uh, so we've enjoyed the singing here um, food I've, food fellowship I enjoyed yeah. uh, I actually just enjoyed being in South Dakota you know we, we yeah. say there's nothing here but that's actually it's very beautiful nice. God's it really yeah. like the, the Black Hills probably one of my favorite parts of the country actually I've, I've been all over I've been in every state blah 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 but the Black Hills are probably some of my favorite favorite place to be um, and I, I'm usually here about a week out of the year and so being here in South Dakota has been great uh, even just fellowship like you know, it's kind of weird. People listen to your podcast like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, probably one of my favorite things is interacting with people, like yeah. getting to know people, mm-hmm. uh, getting get some names and stuff like that. I'll get an occasional email and bumping into that person. Those are easily like my favorite things of mm-hmm. being here. So. One of the things that, going back to this, even the nature, um, the mountains and things, we're, we're talking about here at the conference a lot about tyranny. And you get out here and you see this, the wide open skies and the, the mountains and stuff. And it's like, it, this is... You're close to nature. You, you don't want government coming in and, and ruining this yeah, everywhere. We were driving down through all of that the other day, and you mentioned it, and you were like, you know, you got to imagine what it felt like for the first settlers and the coming out here, just seeing all this wide open land, and just you got to appreciate how much they loved it and then appreciate how much maybe even people out here, probably that's why it's a little bit of a different attitude. You were saying that too. I think it's right. A bit of a different attitude out here where it's, probably less touched by government interference than, you know, maybe bigger cities, obviously, and things like that. And so you're going to have more of a pushback out here because they appreciate what they what they have, what they've been given. I mean, there's there's just so much beauty out here and wide open space and liberty, really, to be able to move around. Yeah, you know, total side. But one of the difficulties, as soon as you start to have more people, you need more structure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's always simpler when there's 50 of you out in, you know, 500 acres opposed to, you know, Eight million of you in a fifteen mile. So what Keith is saying is we need population control yeah, here. Well, clearly, I'm, 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 I'm just saying that the Rona was nature's way of culling the population, <clears throat> no. and, 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 and we are preventing it from happening. Oh boy! Oh, wow. just, wah, wah, this went wah, off the rails. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, somebody mute that microphone. <laughs> well, I think that's why your cities tend to be more liberal, right? Because mm-hmm. you need more structure. You need more. It, it opens more doors for the government to step in and fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like the people that go there too. I mean, probably not in the entirety, but. Um, they, they, I don't think they want as much autonomy. I mean, when you live out here in something like this, you, you're going to have to work. 
Yeah. Like you have to work. You have responsibility for it, or you, it's just not going to work. Like it's not. You're not going to eat. You're not going to get your crops. Whatever it might be that you're doing. But then when yeah, but then when you're going into these cities, it's kind of almost I think like this expectation. Well, I'm going to the city. There's going to be all this stuff, and it's just going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the oddity of in one breath, you go to the city because you want anonymity and autonomy. But then mm-hmm. you are at, yeah, irony is you actually want other people to have more control. And mm-hmm. so in one sense you're more chaotic, in another sense you're 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 less so. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of confusing. Yep. All right. What else? You, what else you enjoying about the conference? What else am I enjoying about the conference? Honestly, it's mainly the fellowship, being with people. Mm-hmm. I, like you know, I, I'm I'm in Moscow, so like a lot of the content is like it's our normal diet. So so it, it's kind of like if you go to a good restaurant, people are like, oh, it's amazing food. You're like, oh, my wife cooks great every night. You know what I mean? But like, I, I eat Chick Fil A all the time, and or not Chick Fil A, but Pan Express. So I'm always eating Pan Express. When you get legit Chinese food, you're like, ah, oh, this is legit food. And so I'm I'm always kind of fed this stuff and so so it's like to be honest the the the, the talks are not like new to me mm. it's, it's kind of like my normal diet so uh it's it's everything outside of that context actually and even the singing i enjoy and it's great to see other people just kind of excited about the psalms and stuff like that so good stuff well uh hey, hey we, do we want to bring somebody in here for a second to uh talk about a particular um uh, story that i i mean if you're talking about things you enjoyed about the uh conference Outdoors. so far i I enjoyed uh, hearing about a particular outdoor experience that a uh, particular of outdoors, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. and freedom and liberty yeah, and, just and freedom of fellowship. It. wide open fellowship. fellowship. Definitely fellowship. Close, close fellowship with others. And, and not, yeah. not just close, uh, people from other tribes, tongues, and nations. Oh, yes. There you go. Let's yeah. bring him in. Let's bring him in here. Tell us your name and then let's give him a microphone. Give us your story here. Hey, my name is uh, Luke Deacon. I am from a tiny little island off the coast of France. It's called Jersey. It's the uh, old Jersey, of which New Jersey is the New Jersey. I'm not sure if that's a good thing to say because I've it's, heard some not great things about New Jersey. But uh, It's funny because hey. everything from Britain we need to make new, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a reason like for that. Creation. That's not what this is so, all about. Yeah, talk right. about your new experience uh, that you had. Sure. So uh, so I was traveling uh, with a friend in Europe, and we'd, uh, we'd been on the road for a few weeks. And it had been a lot of fun. And we were in the northeast of Italy and this tiny little town. And we wanted to visit Slovenia, uh, which was just over the Alps to to Slovenia. And so we got bikes because there was no public transport. And we biked over the Alps to Slovenia, had a great few days in Slovenia. And we're biking back. And uh, we come down the mountain to this beautiful lake, absolutely gorgeous. And I say to my friend, I say, hey, I'm going to hang out here for the night. I've got a hammock. I've got a sleeping bag. So I'll just chill here. And he didn't have one. So he was like, hey, I'll bike back to, uh, to the town in Italy. I'll get a hotel room and I'll, uh, I'll meet you in the morning. And I said, cool, sounds great. So he goes off and I, uh, I go onto the beach and I put my hammock up and the sun's going down and it's just all picturesque. Mountains either side, the lake stretching out as far as the eye can see. It's going to be a great night. It's just going to be a good time. And uh, I hear these motorbikes coming along along the road, and there's been a lot of bikes around, big big biking place. But then these bikes take the turn off the road, and they come down onto the beach. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. That's that's not normally what they do. But these bikes come down onto the beach, and then these two guys get off, and it's a, it's a tall thin guy and a short fat guy. And in all the stories I've read, it's always the tall thin guy and the short fat guy who make all the problems. It's always them, their fault, create, create problems. And so I was like, oh, this isn't looking good. So uh, they look up and they see me and they say, hello. And I said, hi. Uh, I said, what's your name? 
I said, Luke, I said, what's, what's your guy's name? He said, I am Daniel. Oh, nice, nice to meet you, Daniel. Uh, yeah, yeah. And anyway, we get, we get chatting and uh, they start putting their tent up and they get this little tent. And this is a tiny tent. I don't know how they fitted both of those guys in there, but apparently they'd been doing it for a while. They'd been to Croatia and uh, a horse had taken a chunk out the top of the tent when they'd been camping in this field in Croatia. And so what they did to solve the problem of a hole in the top of the tent was put their bikes either side of the tent. This is, I promise you this is essential for the rest of the story, so hang in here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's coming. So two bikes either side of the tent, put a tarp over the top of the, uh, over the tent and strap it to the bikes and then put the tarp around the back and, and weigh it down with their bags. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, interesting setup, but whatever works. And uh, he looks down towards the, the edge of the lake and says, uh, is that your fire? I said, no, 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 that's not mine. He said, uh, maybe if you could use a fire and uh, maybe if you could use it together. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, like, why not? And so anyway, we get this fire going and we're chatting and we're hanging out and having a good time. Then it gets to like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn in. It's been good to meet you guys. And, uh, and the rain starts a little bit to pitter-patter and coming down. And he says, uh, did you check the weather? And I said, no, no, I didn't actually. And uh, he said, oh, okay. He said, well, if the rain comes down and it's really heavy, you're welcome to use the area behind our tent where the tarpaulin is. And I was like, oh, thanks so much. That's really kind of you guys to let me use that little area around the back. Uh, I think I should be good then. Thank you. And so I go, to my, I go to my hammock and I wrap myself in my hammock and my sleeping bag, but then the rain just comes down, thunder, lightning, the heavens open, just a really rough time. And I'm like, nah, this is not gonna work. The rivers of water just start to run down my back, not good. So I hop out the hammock and I go over to the guys in their tent and they're all zipped up inside the tent now. And I say, guys, this is not working. Do you mind if I just use that area around the back? And I just hear a voice from inside the tent. And he says, no. Come in here. <laughs> and so I'm like, no, no, hey, I'm, I'm all wet. Like, I'm soaking. My sleeping bag's really wet. I'm just going to go around, go around the back. And he says, no, put your sleeping bag around the back. We have a blanket for you. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, okay. So I put my sleeping bag around the back. And I open the zip of this tent, and they're like either side of the tent, squashed to either side as they can. And they just say, you go in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and so, no kidding, I army crawl up the center of this oh, tent, man. tiny little tent, get to the middle. And, uh, and we realize it's a little bit tight, it's even tighter than, it, than we thought it was gonna be initially. So the guy says, I think the only way we will fit is if we all go on our sides. <laughs> so we turn all on our sides, all on our left-hand side. I have my wrist up against my face. My wrist is touching the tall thing guy's back. I have the belly <laughs> of the big fat guy on my back. And so we have about six hours of sleep just squashed in between these two Germans. And, you know, it was a good experience. feel like I learned a yeah. lot what not to do, check the weather. At, at any and, point uh, during this, did it ever dawn on you that this just might not be a good idea? <laughs> Pretty much the whole way through. I was just like, and, and I mean, it, I, I was already getting a little weirded out by when they were by the fire, and then you're just like, hey, let's just go on in the tent and yeah. snuggle with these two guys. Or that it was their plan the whole time. I, oh, I, I guarantee you these two guys. They knew it was going to rain, and they were looking that's for That's why I said they're looking. They have a weather app and figuring out where the campgrounds are, and they just look, hey, look, there he is. He's our Liebchen. A, like, a yeah. weak male. That was easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, oh nice. Oh, nice. So, yeah, the, these are the kind of stories that we've been hearing here at the West yes. Valley. Did you, did you wake up and they were like, where's your hand at? Oh, and and yeah. you said, between two pillows. That's not two pillows. I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I was getting a little like concerned yeah. that you were going to wake up just naked in the river or something and not knowing what was going on there. They're just gone, and you're like, what happened? So we can call that like a British hamburger, can't we? It's like you're like in the middle of the two pillows. It's a sandwich. It's a recent sandwich I had. More like sauerkraut. Yeah, he's the bratwurst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Check, please. Uh, check. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, that was right. the well, fun stories we've good story. heard. Yeah. Back, that to hope. Hope. Back to hope. Does that give you hope they for something? It gives hope me hope never in Germany. It gives me hope, hope that you can survive there. a lot of really messed up situations. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 The, yay, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death between two Germans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Mm. All right, well, we want to touch this off with anything, or do we want to grab lunch? Well, yeah, that's... Uh, let me uh, actually give us something serious here. What? I wanted to what look. Talk at, about. I want to look at we the passage you read real quick, and just point out three things. So you have this book of Revelation, and it's written um, to the early church. There, they're going through great persecution. Right? You have uh, Nero that's persecuting the church um, in great many ways, uh, just murdering people, putting them up on, on stakes, and and. And it's just horrendous. They're going through all this time, and, and here comes uh, uh, John, who's also faced this persecution. He's put on this island, and and then he's given this vision from, from God, which is this vision of great hope that Jesus is a king, and that he's reigning over the nations, and that even those who persecute uh, others, or the, the persecute the Christians, are going to face justice, and that the gospel is going to go forth. And as part of this hope and this greeting, this is the kind of thing we usually skip over in Scripture. What you see here in, in Romans, as John writes to the seven churches, he's writing to these churches going through this time, and he tells them grace and peace. And then he, he, he has this triune um, message here. There's grace and peace coming, not just from John, but it's, it, more importantly, it's from God, the triune God, from the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and then from Jesus. And he describes three things here about Jesus that I think should give us great hope. He says Jesus is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, to break that down real quick, that faithful witness, the word there for witness is the word we get for martyr. And so here, here are Christians who are being martyred, who are being persecuted for their faith. And they get grace and peace from the great, the the. the the faithful witness, the, the first, really, the first martyr, the really, the martyr that gives us grace and peace. His death gives us grace and peace. And so they can face death because their Lord and Savior has. He was a faithful witness. And in his death as a witness, he testifies to the justice of God and the love of God. And so the, you can imagine the great comfort that is. But then it, it continues, the firstborn of the dead and the idea is that he's the first to have uh, um, tasted something, which is actually the, the, the resurrection. And so he's like the first fruits of that. There's great hope then that all those who are in Christ Jesus, who receive grace and peace from him, are the, the, the great harvest that comes after that. So he was a faithful witness. He laid down his life, and, but then he 
the grave could not hold him and he rose again. And there, now there's this great hope as we face persecution. We also have the great hope that as, as we have uh, been crucified with Christ, we will also rise with Christ. And then you have this last phrase, the ruler of the kings of the earth. And you know who, who is persecuting the Christians. It's the rulers, it's the magistrates, the, the leaders. And here they're giving grace and peace from the one who rules over them. So that even those tyrants, um, they only have power because Christ rules over them and has granted them that for some season, some purpose. And so there's great hope knowing that, that even the enemies of God's people only end up serving for Christ's good purpose, and um, which is giving us grace and peace. And then you just have him close out there. He loved us. He released us from our sins by his blood, and he made us to be a kingdom. Mm. And so this is the message of Revelation, and it's very applicable to us today, right? We face being hated for our faith. We, we've, we face trials and tribulations and, and just even dealing with our sin. And we have grace and peace from the one who was the great witness, the faithful witness, the one who's the firstborn of the dead and who rules over the kings of the earth, who's the ruler of the nations. And therefore, there's great hope for us that we can continue our work, even if it takes us to the grave, because we have grace and peace from him. So there's my message of hope for you. Okay. That's a good message. Do you want to well, dialogue around yeah. that at all? Yeah, let's, let's talk about yeah, it if you yeah. want to. Well, I'll add him. We're, we're doing a little Bible study on Revelation, and um, this ties in a lot with, we, we just got done listening to Doug Wilson, so if you get a, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not sure when this is released and when those things are released, but if you get a chance, listen to Doug's and then listen to this segment, because in Revelation 4 and 5, um, he's, a door opens in heaven, and John ascends into heaven, mm -hmm. and he's basically participating in a heavenly worship service, mm -hmm. and Doug's talk was worship is warfare, yep. and one of the things that we're doing in worship, we ascend, so when we go into church and lift up your hearts, we lift up the Lord, we're ascending into heaven, and we're now participating in this heavenly thing, and so the way we go about worship from our songs to the the lyrics we choose, the instruments we choose, everything we choose, is it heavenly and is it godly? And that's the sort of vision that these people need and what we need if we're going to engage in battle in this age and take on the rulers and tyrants and everything else. We need a very clear vision of who Christ is, what worship of him is like. And as we begin to worship him, then those seals are open in Revelation 6, and I believe that's the church going forth and triumphing. And so we need a very clear vision of these sorts of things. And, and Revelation is not just this great, mysterious book uh, of, of some future age um, or, or the very, very end times, but it's something that we are currently participating in as well. And so there's a lot of hope to be found in the whole book of Revelation. Yeah, it's applicable. I mean, at the, the, the beginning it says is uh, you're blessed if you hear the, the, the one who reads these words, the one who hears these words and then applies them, acts upon them, obeys them. And so it's one of those books that where you think, you know, often it's one of the books you first become a Christian. That's the one you go read first. You have no clue what it's about, and, but it's cool. But it's also the one with so much debate and mysteriousness about it. And actually it's quite practical. Jesus is king. Let's obey him and have faith. Let's go forth in faith. Let's don't shrink back like the, the, the spies that went into the promised land and came out and said, no, nah, it's too much. No, let's go forth couple thoughts. Uh, the, the theme of the conference, right, is love God, sing psalms, and defy tyrants. Um, so we start by loving God, then we sing, we worship, right? We go, and that's that's not just the singing, but it's it's the whole worship service, and that leads to defying tyrants. And Doug's talk, he was just specifying the first and primary tyrant that we defy 
is, uh, is our heart, our own hearts, right? We're defying mm-hmm. the tyrant within us. And I think the, the way that we've gotten to the state of our country that we're in is through passivity, primarily in defying the tyrant of our heart, giving mm-hmm. it to our emotions. Um, and then through not, like that leads to not defying these other tyrants that are around us. And I think it's wonderful in verse uh, five there. Nope. Verse six it says, and has made us kings and priests. So I think there's a distinction there between your political realm and then your your kind of spiritual realm, right? So he's saying that Jesus is king of kings. And then also he's, he's clarifying that again. Hey, it's not just in this one realm. We're kings. We need to take dominion in the political realm and priests. And so we, we push forward God's kingdom as well in that realm too. Yeah, and, and this goes back to the idea of worship, but also to prayer specifically. So, um, you know, when Paul writes and tells Timothy to pray on behalf of all people, or, or um, and the idea of praying on behalf is not just praying for them, but in a sense of like, you're praying something they should be praying. You're praying on behalf of them. You're praying on behalf of the nations yep. that the, that God would save them. Like, he, he would deliver them. Yeah. Uh, we were chatting on the car right over. I brought those three, three young guys with me and we were chatting about, um, Jesus's prayer, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we were listening to, uh, the account of James, the justs, uh, martyrdom mm-hmm. pushed off the temple and then tried to stone and then beaten. And while he's being beaten, he gets on his knees and he prays that same prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And we we're just dialoguing around. What's that mean? Forgive them for they know not what they're doing because obviously they know that they're killing Jesus and they know that they're killing James the just, but that they don't comprehend the depth or the gravity yeah. of what, what's actually happening there. Yeah. And, and you just think of that witness, like what sort of powerful witnesses forgive them they know not what to do rather than you guys are intolerant bigots. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there, there, there are two ways you can handle getting, yeah. getting beat down. And yep. one of them is a humble way that I believe ends up bearing more fruit or there's a shrill way of like, what's happening to me? You know what I mean? And it's not the disposition of forgive them. They don't know what to do. There's two radical different messages. Well, totally. And like, how often do we pray that ourselves, right? How are we responding in that way? Are we praying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive the officers that arrested us, that mm-hmm. cited us or our local mayor, Mayor Bill Lambert, right? Are we praying those prayers for them or Lord dispense your wrath on them, which I think is appropriate in its time but, and yeah, place. There's right? both. We were talking about, we were just talking about this. And I was saying that uh, a lot of times at the dinner table and family worship, um, we'll, I'll pray for our civil authorities and I'll pray for our president and um, pray for mayors and stuff like that. But uh, it's, we are saying the, the, like you were just saying, it's not um, unbiblical to pray for, uh, you know, God's justice and God's wrath and things. But if, if your knee jerk reaction every time, is to your enemy, just destroy him, destroy him, destroy him, destroy him, and not please, you know, bring them, you know, into the fold, yeah. grant them repentance. But so I, I will often pray, you know, for our president that, you know, God, that he would, you know, uh, make his enemies his friends. Yeah. And, uh, but if not, that you yeah. would then remove them from the world because they're persecuting the church. Because it's, it's and our prayers are based out of love. Yes. Right? So the Bible says, don't overcome evil with evil, but mm-hmm. with good yeah. and with love. And so Jesus set the example of self-sacrifice and that's what we do is even with our enemies, we sacrifice ourselves rather than them so that they might have hope. Yeah. They might know Christ. And I mean, that's what Jesus did for us while we were enemies. And so our, our prayers, lifting up even our enemies to him, loving them and loving them often can look like actually um, a strong rebuke strong, at times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that even that prayer of God's judgment in, in, in one sense is love upon them. The way, the, is the way you prayed, right? Like, 
Um, God save their souls, and if not, remove them from earth. I think of this when I think of the abortion doctors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, remove them from earth so they can't harm anybody else. Right. That's love for everybody else. And also, can't. they're not storing up any more right. wrath exactly. for themselves, exactly. right? So yeah. the longer they're doing it, the more wrath they're storing up. Mm-hmm. So at least alleviate some of that. Yeah. Take them now so that they're not storing that up. Yeah. Building up the wrath. Yeah, we'll pray prayers like, Lord, destroy them by befriending them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like convert them. And if not, then... Yeah, I, I always say when I'm preaching, street preaching a lot, is that Christ is putting his enemies under his feet, and he does it two ways, makes them his friends, mm-hmm. which is the ideal way, which we're trying to preach to you and, and call you to, yeah. or he wipes them from the earth. Right. Yeah, and in both instances, he's getting us through death. So when we're baptized, we're, we die, and we're raised to newness of life. And so, so the, the wicked are always get killed, and then we're either raised to newness of life or we go to judgment. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even in the book of Revelation, uh, you know they're offering up their prayers and they come as incense before the Lord. Then uh, some of the prayers come up, and then they're, they're under the altar. The martyrs are, "How long, O Lord, faithful and true?" Is one of the one of the prayers that they're uh, giving to him. And so, within that, bowls of wrath are poured out. I believe in response to their prayers. So you have both end going on of oh, yeah, yeah, forgive them, they know not to do. And 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 when we are singing the Psalms, we can see where we have verbiage of you know break the nations. If we're singing Psalm two, you know. Uh, He'll rule them with a rod of iron, uh, shatter them, and all that sort of, as uh, potter dashes uh, clay pots. And th- that stuff is picked up in the book of Revelation as well. And so if we're singing the Psalms and we're praying the Psalms, we're getting a both end going on. I think, yeah, looking at Revelation too, right, just remembering that there's a wedding feast coming gives us hope, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy. I think a lot of people look at the wrath and the destruction, and that, that's there. But at the end, there's hope. There's a mm-hmm. wedding feast. Yeah. And and if you, if you understand, that, like, you know, if you're, you know, the classic Jews in World War II and, and the Americans show up and they start, you know, running the Germans out of France or stomping down the, that, that's a reason to rejoice. So it looks like wrath, you know what I mean? It, oh, it yeah. is great wrath coming upon the Germans, but that's something to rejoice in. So as we read the book of Revelation, it is God's wrath, but it's on a whore of Babylon. It is, this is on a beast. And so it's not on like, oh no, we're just poor little people here. What is God doing? You know what I mean? God's not capricious like that. He's pouring his wrath out on a beast and he's yeah. pouring his wrath out on a dragon. And and so so when we are reading those things and wrath is showing up and it's, it's not a thing that we should be scared of per se it's that, but it is a thing that from the beginning and end of revelation is ought to be giving christians hope in the context of enemies yeah there's no collateral collateral damage when god comes in and well and you gotta, dispenses wrath what i've always looked at in that too is it, it, it's always such a testament to how patient and merciful and gracious god is because yeah. i mean you look at everything that's been said why this was coming you know, you, you've killed the prophets. Your father's killed the pro- all these prophets. You persecuted the church, like on and on and on and on. Like how long did God let them go? Yeah. You know, and until God's, fi- yeah. God's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. When mm-hmm. people are like, where is your God? Then he executes his wrath. They're like, why is your God executing yeah, wrath? And yeah. so, so the reality of it is when your issues with God, whether he comes in salvation and he judges the wicked or if he does not come and he's long suffering, like you think of, you know, the, you're going to go into a land of slavery until the uh, blood of the or the, the the wrath of the Amorites is full. The right. cup of the, and, and so that cup needs to be full. And it took 400 years. Yeah. And yeah. if you're sitting there in slavery for 400 years, where is God's wrath? Where is God's wrath? Then it's poured out. Everyone's like, Why is Egypt destroyed? Well, and even what, what, what do you guys want? Yeah, yeah. Even what you're saying in that is, you know, you have people that are like, you know, you probably hear the abortion mills or why, you people are like, well, your, your God commits genocide and goes on and on or whatever. But you're just saying like 400 years. Like you know, the Bible's not detailing out all of their sins during that time, yeah. right? You have no idea. I mean, if you study history, you have no idea how wicked these people were. Yeah. And it went on for 400 years. Yeah. And even just the fun apologetic, when I'm open air preaching on college campus, all these genocide and all these claims comes up when they go through God being a genocidal maniac yeah, and yeah. the biggest murder in history, I always go, amen. And they're just mm. like, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Amen. Shy away from yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you begin to lean in and lay out the wickedness. Like, what do you guys? And that's the thing. What do you guys want God to do? Mm-hmm. You want Him to act, but when He does, you want to complain. When He doesn't act, yep, you want exactly. to complain. Because at the end of the day, you want to put God in the dock, and you don't want to be in the dock. But you're the one who's wicked. And the minute you call for God's justice. All of your sin comes mm-hmm. in for, and that's where even as Christians, we got to have a level of humility and calling for justice. Because yeah. mm-hmm. if, if, if all my sin was laid bare for the world to see, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who can yeah. stand? Who it can comes stand? back to the tyranny yeah. of your own heart, right? Yeah. You want justice for everyone else, but not for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now in our country, I think one of the things too is that we do have to realize, like, we have culpability in what's happened. I mean, we, we've been talking about that too, and what happens when the church compromises? What happens when you're silent about things? What happens when you? pervert God's worship and it becomes about if we you and I were just making jokes about you know men and leotards dancing up front and yeah, stuff you know and not only one yeah. letter away from training yeah that's what he, what'd you say tyranny's <laughs> only one letter away from training <laughs> and people ask why you're like yeah that's the right letter yeah, yeah. he was yeah he, he was full of jokes <laughs> but but my a wordsmith over there yeah he is yeah he's, he's, he's honing his but you know the 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 point being on that is that um like you're saying, you just have to be, you have to be careful when you're asking, you know, God to judge all of this. You have to look inside and, you know, are we repenting as not just individuals, but households and churches and towns? I mean, there, there's a lot of repentance that has to go into that. And just the culpability of, of, I mean, I, I know, I mean, it's like, I look back on the last, even like 10 years of my life, uh-huh. you know, and you and I were talking about this, even in marriage and mm-hmm. stuff too, with like, you look back in the, you know, 10 years ago, who you were and you just like, wow, like, how how dumb was I then? But then you think, what am I going to think of like another 20 years? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, like I'm going to think right now. How much more like, dumb I am? Yeah, right, right now I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And then on 20 years, I'm like, man, I was an idiot. Yeah. You know? yep. And like how many things that I not even realized maybe I was doing or I was trying to cover up or whatever, you know, like you just, you start rooting that stuff out of yourself over and over and over again. But you have well, to realize, again, when you're asking God for, for justice, like realize what's in your own heart too. Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, let me, uh, we're getting ready to wrap up here. Let me apply this. Let's apply some of this to us as men. Right. And I think of as a father, how to, I want to talk about forgiveness and, and hope. And you know, the Bible says judgment starts with the house of God and you as your family being a member of the house of God, you, you, the judgment starts with you and your family as well. You know, it's very easy. There's many times you, go, you can go to churches or even conferences and you just talk about all the sins, of everybody out there and you got to deal with your sins here, the church, and, and it's not just the compromised churches. You know, we can always talk about those who don't open their doors or, or all the mask stuff and all that stuff. But what about the sins in our churches and, and in our homes where we don't, we don't honor the Sabbath as we ought, where we, we have idols and all these things? And so I, I think an important application for um, fathers, and I'm starting with fathers, is your home needs to be a place of forgiveness of sins. You need to acknowledge you are a sinner. In fact, on Sunday I'm preaching, Jesus came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. And we are so, so good at going to the church, going to church or in our families and showing everybody how healthy we are. When we, we need to really acknowledge we, we are sick and we need mm-hmm. him. We need him. And so you're home, I think. You, I don't know how you do that other than constantly be um, apologizing for when you mess up to your children and your wife, pointing out times for prayer, for, for forgiveness of sins, and then being reminded that there is grace and peace from, from Jesus. I think just maybe a couple quick thoughts on that. God's given us wonderful little mirrors to show us our sinful areas, right? That's what our children do. A side story on that. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Thinking. Everett, my second son, he's three years old, three and a half years old. And, uh, 
Sawyer, my oldest, he's doing rugby and Everett runs around and plays while we're there. The other day, he slid down the slide and a kid came down after him and bumped into him, just barely bumped into him. And uh, I'm watching what's going on and I look over and Everett like balls up his fists and put them straight down at his side and he just glares at the kid. <laughs> and the kid kind of looks at him like, you weirdo. You doing? And he literally just, then the kid runs off and he like just turns and follows the kid and he's glaring at him. I'm like, well, where do you learn that? Man, it's me, right? Like, yes. When they're pestering me or they're doing something I don't want them to do, what do I do? Well, I change my body language and I glare at them and I give them a look. I'm like, you better knock it off sort of thing, right? It's like, man, okay, I need to fix the way that my kids see me yep. and the, the habits they're picking up from my behavior, right? So these wonderful little mirrors to show us where we're sinful. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, sin in the church that you always think of the Paul Washer. I'm, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking to you. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, uh, everyone in the world want to be like Britney Spears. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, yeah. I don't know why you're, and, and also Isaiah, and I, I don't remember how many times, but in Isaiah chapter five, he's like, woe unto you, you do this. Woe unto you, you do this. Woe unto you, you do this. I think it says five or six times. Then in Isaiah six, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. He says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I miss a people of unclean lips. And, and most of the time when you're railing against other people and it's always other people, the one thing you've not seen is actually the glory of God. And you've not seen his holiness. Cause the minute you see that oh, your yeah. only response can be, woe is me, I'm undone. But then the grace comes in. Cause what do they do? They take the coal from the altar cleanses his lips and he's like all right send me you know what i mean so, so yeah, there, there's yeah, not yeah. this so there's not these week long things of like beating yourself up over, and that's even the other thing when you sin you don't need to beat yourself up over yep, we're not yep. catholics you know what i mean we are we are protestants and the blood of christ is sufficient the atoning sacrifice on the altar is sufficient he comes over cleanses you and he'd be like all right send me and, and so it, it is amazingly good and simple news and it almost seems mm. like trite in a way to say like that's that's all that's it you know what i mean he just he just cleanses me and that's it and um but that's that's what it is like yeah, yeah now get up get up and walk get so. up and walk yep good well gentlemen thank you for being on this episode thanks for having Trick me podcast. Yeah, thank thank you. live sort of live i guess at the conference um thank you uh my friend for uh, Luke giving your uh, my friend, story. My friend, a.k.a. Luke. Well, hey, buddy. We'll see. I was, gonna, I was trying to say my British hey, friend, and then I, I was like, he is from Britain. Okay, yeah, so, uh, let's just be like, yeah. Like my Chum. I was trying to think of a joke, too, uh, along with the lines of the sausage thing with uh, him being the, you know, but with the German something or other. I don't know. I need food, so yeah, I'm, check, I'm, not, okay. I'm trying to think through what I want to eat please, and not with that. Yeah, check, please. So anyway, thank you for coming on. Um, Everybody listening, you know the spiel. Uh, if you're not yet a Fight Left Feast member, go to fightleftfeast.com, click on Become a Member, and use code PATRIARCHY when you do Campus support our show. Church. Don't use that. It's not worth As it. If you have that, cancel it. Yeah, can't, actually, yeah, you, you, you can't yeah, cancel that if, you're, if you use Campus Preacher and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do. Get access to behind-the-scenes content. We are one of the few other shows, by the way, that does have behind-the-scenes content, such as After the Sandwich, so we are worth it. So use the code PATRIARCHY. Okay, fine. I'm going to go back to Moscow. I'm going to behind-the-scenes content. Go get to it. Go get to it. Go get to it right now. Fightleftfeast.com. Use the code PATRIARCHY when you do. Uh, Until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the patriarchy.